a new church plant took out an entire page advertisement in a new newspaper uh, announcing the beginning of their church, attempting to uh, excite uh, people uh, over the coming of this new church, and also to let uh, those who might attend know a little bit about what they value, what they believe is important for the souls of those who might attend, and and the the way they might accomplish uh, the advancement of Christ's kingdom. So here's the the heading for this advertisement. Ten things we will never do. I'm going to read just four of them for you. We will never get you home after the opening kickoff. We will never ask for your wallet. We will never make you join the church. We will never ask you to attend a class. Now you may be thinking, hmm, sounds pretty good to me. Sign me up for that church. And you know what? I would do that for you. But remember, you can't join that church, right? No commitment. All right, I'm done being snarky. Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm done. But let's, con- let's do this. Let's compare this never list with the words of Jesus that we heard uh, for 13 weeks. When Jesus said to his disciples, all authority... In heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, to all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so here's what we have. A minimalist list of nevers, never ask, never make, Versus a maximalist commission of alls, all power, all nations, all commands, always presence. So which one wins? Well, no question about it. The never ask kind of church is clearly very appealing. And thousands upon thousands of people are drawn to their minimal, no commitment standards. However... Just as clearly, the call of Christ is for maximalism, for all. Therefore, it's my prayer that we, you and I, in our lives as individuals, in our life together as a church, that we will fight against the appeal and the attraction and the allure of minimalism so that we together will be maximalists for the sake of our souls and everything that flows from them and for the advancement of Christ's kingdom, you and I must be devoted disciples. We must be devoted disciples, devoted to God's means of grace. That's what I want us to talk about this morning as we return again to Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 47. So if you have your Bibles, if you would take those out. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. Or you'll also find the passage printed in the bulletin. When you found Acts chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to stand so that we might hear, read together the word of the one and only true and living God. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. This is the word of the Lord. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again that we can hear read together your word. We thank you for your promise, Lord, that where your word is read and heard, that that's a place of blessing. So bless us now as we consider your word together. Spirit of God, give us insight into truth. What's true from your word, drive it deep into our hearts and our minds, we pray. Change us through your word. Make us more the people you have made us to be, enabled and designed us to be. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Just as a refresher for those of you who were here last week and to orient those of you who may not have been here last week, we started last week a new series on the means of grace. And we saw simply that the means of grace are the Word of God, the two sacraments instituted by Christ, the Lord's Supper and Baptism, and prayer. The Word of God, the sacraments, and prayer, these are the means of grace. They're the channels through which the grace of God the riches of the grace of God flow to our lives through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Through these means, through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, we experience the grace of God. We also heard last week God speak to us through the prophet Jeremiah. God says, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it and find rest for your souls. The means of grace. These are the ancient ways, the ancient path, the Word of God, sacraments, prayer. This is the unchanging path that God has given us. And it's a good path. And our souls are blessed when we walk along it. And you know when we've strayed from the path? as we do sometimes, when we have believed that God has called us to innovate, when we have believed that God has has called us to do something new or different just to freshen things up a little bit, just to, you know, blow the dust off of this dusty old faith in order that we might be relevant to our culture, here's what we simply need to do. We just need to repent. Lord, forgive us. We've been on the wrong path. And then you and I return to this ancient path. Because we know it's as relevant and life-changing today as it was when God first gave it in ancient times. And when we return again to that path, we must be devoted to this way, to this means of grace. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Look in verse 42. 
It says, and they, and, and they are the more than 3,000 uh, people who, who came to faith in Christ on the day of Pentecost. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Devoted. That's the word that you and I have to understand this morning. That's the word that has to, to both capture and convict our hearts because this word, this quality of the early church is what made the early church not only beautiful, but so effective. Devotion is the reason the early church was able to withstand hundreds of years of persecution. And not only to survive, but to thrive in the midst of it. So what does devotion look like for your life and, and for my life and uh, among us as a church. I'm just going to give you some phrases uh, that fill out the definition of the, the Greek word that's used here. To be devoted means to, to stay by, to remain with, to occupy oneself diligently with, to pay persistent attention to, to hold fast, to persevere over time, to be steadfast. You can hear immediately that, that these definitions for the word devotion reflect a, a maximalism, not a minimalism. These first devoted believers in Christ had maximum commitment. Now watch this. Look again at verse 42, you know, they, they devoted themselves to the means of grace. And then look in verse 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, sometimes we think that the awe came upon every soul because of, of the signs and the wonders that, that were being done through the apostles. Wow, would you look at that? Look at that miracle. But it's not so. The awe came from the means of grace, not the signs and wonders. Awe is connected immediately to the means of grace. And the awe came because through the means of grace, these believers saw Jesus. So listen to this. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. The means of grace lead us to a person. The means of grace lead us to Jesus Christ. The early church was devoted to the means of grace because they were devoted to Christ. And through the means of grace, they could meet with the Jesus they could no longer see. Our relationship isn't with the means themselves, with the word or the sacraments or, or the prayers. Our relationship is with Christ. The means are just a way that allows us to be with him. I'm going to quote my best friend. He doesn't know he's my best friend because he's been dead for 460 years. But you all know my friend. I quote him so often. Samuel Rutherford, that famous Scottish Presbyterian Pastor and theologian, one of the men that worked together to create the Westminster Confession of Faith. 
Samuel Rutherford counsels me and comforts me and also convicts me through what he writes. I'm just going to read to you some of the things he's written. He writes, I think I see more of Christ than ever I saw, and yet I see but little of what may be seen. Oh, pity forevermore that there should be one such as Christ Jesus, so boundless, so bottomless, and so incomparable in infinite excellency and sweetness, and so few to take him. Oh, ye poor, dry, and dead souls, come with your empty vessels and your empty souls to this huge and fair and deep and sweet well of life and fill all your empty vessels. How little of the sea can a child carry in his hand? As little do I take away of my great sea my boundless and running over Christ Jesus. I'm sure that the saints at their best are but strangers to the weight and worth of the incomparable sweetness of Christ. He's so new, so fresh in excellency, every day new to these that search more and more in him. When you see Jesus, like Samuel Rutherford saw him. And when you want Jesus, like Samuel Rutherford wanted him, you are devoted to the means of grace. You won't have to be begged or cajoled or guilted to be devoted to the word of God and the sacraments and prayer. No, you will be habitually addicted to the means of grace so that you can have more of Jesus, so that you can be ushered more and more and more into his presence. And listen, we need more of Jesus, not less of him. Would you agree with that? If I repeated it, would you say amen? We need more of Jesus, not less of him. We need devotion. We need maximalism, not minimalism. We need more things that lead us to Christ, not fewer of them. And so you and I have got to be devoted to these take me to Jesus means of grace habitually in our lives. We need these habits in our lives. You know, God has created us to be creatures of habit. And that's why he says things to his people, like he says to them in Deuteronomy chapter 6. God says, these words I command you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then God repeats himself because we need to establish the habits. Five chapters later, you shall teach them to your children, 
talking of them when you're sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God is commanding daily habits for his people. But here's the reality in our spiritual lives as individuals and as a church. Habits often get a bad rap. And they play second fiddle to or take backseat to uh, the, the new that we look for or, or, or the innovative or the spectacular. It reminds me of God's encounter with Elijah. Elijah's on the mountain and the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. The voice of God was in the low whisper. Not the spectacular wind or earthquake or fire, but the whisper. And you and I have got to be okay with the whisper. God is spectacular for sure. The God of powerful wind, earthquake, and fire. But he met Elijah in a low voice. Or as the King James Version says, a still, small voice. Now look in verse 46. And day by day, they attended temple together. Day by day, by day, by day. God's people attended to the means of grace. This was the habit of their lives. Daily habits are like the whisper. They don't seem very spectacular, but they are because they take us to Jesus. And when I call them habits, I don't mean to cheapen them. I, I just mean right behaviors. Right behaviors done over and over and over and over again. Those kind of habits are God's gift to us. They are what enable us to live well in this world. And to love in this world the things that God loves. James Smith writes in his book, You Are What You Love. If you are a creature of habit whose loves have been deformed by the disordered secular liturgies, then the best gift God could give you is the spirit-infused practices that will reform and retrain your loves. And so he meets us where we are with counter-formative practices, with hunger-shaping liturgies. He gives us spirit-empowered practices as the gifts of God for the people of God. Devotion, habitually, maximally, coming over and over and over again to the take-me-to-Jesus means of grace. It's your only hope for living well and faithfully in this world. Devotion, habitually, Maximally, it's your only hope for countering 
the influences of this world for resisting the sinful lure of the world on your life. You and I must habitually and maximally attend to the take me to Jesus means of grace. We must be devoted disciples. I think in large part, the church has to take some responsibility for the mess and the muck of our culture because the church has become so minimalist. We've got to change that. We've got to become devoted disciples, devoted to the means of grace. We need not look for something innovative. The means of grace are effective because they are the means that God gives to us. And so before we abandon them, to devote ourselves to the next social movement, which many believers in Christ are doing, or before we abandon the means of grace to go to the next gospel-less critical theory, we must devote ourselves to the means of grace. These are the means by which we can bring about change in this world, the kind of change this world needs, change that makes this world look more and more like the kingdom of God on earth. Is God's people, that's you and me, devote ourselves habitually and maximally to the means of grace, to encountering Jesus through them, then guess what? Our hearts are going to want what his heart wants. And that includes all the social issues that burden our hearts for justice. And guess what? Not just justice out, injustice out there in the world. How about injustice in your own home, right? Does it not rear, uh, rear its ugly head in your marriage, in your, in your child rearing, your relationships? Yes, go to Jesus. He cares about justice. When we go to Jesus, we'll feed the poor. We'll shelter the homeless and all the rest because the means of grace take us to Jesus and those are the things that are on his heart. So then after, after you have devoted yourself to the means of grace and after you've done that and found that they are completely ineffective, then you have permission to move on to the next thing. But guess what? you're never going to move on to the next thing because you and I are never going to discover when we devote ourselves to the means of grace that they are ineffective to bring change because they'll always bring us to Jesus and he always brings change. But we have to stay at it. Keep being devoted. I want to read one more verse, then I'm done. Well, soon enough. Acts chapter 11, verse 23. Barnabas came to Antioch and saw the grace of God. Saw the grace of God. He was glad and he exhorted them all, remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Barnabas saw the grace of God. Isn't that interesting to think about, to to see grace, but he did. And so just this week, this past week, on Thursday... Uh, this appeared in an article in uh, Desiring God Ministry, John, John Piper's ministry. The article says, Barnabas was watching God intervene in a city. 
a city like yours and mine, rescuing the lost, conquering sin, unleashing forgiveness, reconciling relationships, inspiring love, providing for the needy, building his kingdom. He was witnessing a miracle community, sinful people bathed in the mercy of God, declaring the mercy of God and loving each other in Christ. Grace was saving, redeeming, restoring, uniting, transforming, equipping, and sending, all in ways he could witness. Barnabas saw the grace of God. It's because those believers in Antioch were like the believers in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the means of grace. And that grace took visible form through changed lives. And Barnabas exhorted them, in the midst of that miracle community, stay faithful, stay devoted, never give up. Our maximalist call to maximum devotion to the means of grace, it's not going to end. It's not going to end until we are with the Lord. And then guess what? We're no longer going to need the means of grace to see Jesus because we will see him face to face. You looking forward to that day? Until then, until that day, don't let the minimalist mindset allure you. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. It's not good for your soul. It's not good for all of those with whom you are associated. You and I need more devotion, not less, because we need more of Jesus, not less of him. So devote yourself to the means of grace together with us. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Devote. You'll be changed. And though it is trite to say, it's also true that through you, one who has seen Jesus through the means of grace, Jesus might be pleased to change the world just a little, or who knows, maybe a whole lot. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we need your spirit to inspire us to be people of devotion. Lord, often in our lives, in every area of our lives, we seek the easy way out, the the way of least resistance, the way that doesn't cause us much trouble. Father, help us to overcome that. Help us to be devoted to the means of grace, to your word, to the sacraments, and to prayer, because those things lead us to you, Lord Jesus. Reveal yourself to us through them in such a way that we want more and more and more of you, that we bring our empty vessels for you to fill, that we cup our hands for more and more of you, and when that runs out, Lord, we come back again and again and again. Make us devoted disciples, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.